1: And welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Thursday, July 8th. The White House is leaning in to clean power mandates, spectators are being kept out of the Tokyo Olympics, and we're focused on America's condo culture. Two weeks ago today, a 12-story condo tower in Surfside, Florida collapsed, stunning the country. As of yesterday, 54 people are confirmed to have died, while 86 people remain missing. Investigators still don't know what caused the structure to fall, including what role rising saltwater sea levels may or may not have played in corroding the concrete. But Surfside has already begun to spark a broader conversation about the safety of condo buildings, which house around one out of every five Americans and around one out of every three Floridians. Some of this is about building codes and building code enforcement, but the bigger part might be about condo management and conflicting incentives when it comes to maintenance. In Surfside, that manifested itself in disagreements and indecision over what to do about a 2018 engineering report showing the need for major fixes, which would have required big dollars from each condo owner. Those fixes weren't made. So today we want to go deeper into these fundamental flaws with Peter Coy of Bloomberg Business Week, who recently wrote a piece about how condo buildings are quote-unquote ticking time bombs. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Peter Coy, economics editor at Bloomberg Business Week. Peter, your story quoted a law professor who called condo buildings "quote a ticking time bomb." What did he
0: mean by that? He meant that we have two problems. One is the quality of the buildings themselves; they're getting old, and things are happening that happen to older buildings. The concrete is starting to deteriorate, plumbing systems, electrical work—you can runs the gamut. But that's not all. The other structural problem is actually a legal structure problem, which has to do with the actual design of these associations. And that can be a condo or a a homeowner association, which would tend to be for standalone houses, but similar legal structure. The legal problem is that these are inherently difficult to manage because they're run by the residents who generally are not professionals and have mixed motives. On the one hand, they want to keep the property up. On the other hand, they want to minimize their assessments. And sometimes the desire to minimize the assessment gets the upper hand. Buildings get not well maintained. It could be, you know, is this something you want to put your money in? Or would you rather put your money into a new car or a college education or something? Or maybe you're planning to move. And uh, you're going to be out of the building in a year or two or three. And you see no reason to assess yourself massive amounts of money for a benefit that will accrue to people who are there after you're gone. But you seem to suggest that the landlord-tenant relationship, at least the incentives are a bit more aligned. I, I read a paper by one professor who threw that idea out there. And, you know, on the surface, it certainly makes sense. A landlord who actually owns the building is going to be motivated to maintain it, not only to be able to maximize future rents, but someday to sell the building. And so we want to turn it over in in good condition. so you align the interest of the manager with those of the owner, because it's the same person. Whereas in the case of a condo, for example, you could have a misalignment. The people who own the building are the condo owners, but they may not have that same interest in management. When it comes to the condo
1: associations themselves and kind of some of these, call them structural issues with them, what is a fix or multiple fixes that could potentially be made to that structure?
0: Some of it is external. You would have uh, regulation that governs how the buildings need to be maintained, recertified and so on. Another is requirements for reserves. There are places that have rules that every three years, there has to be an assessment of the reserve adequacy. Of course, one of the problems with that is that you can find out that you have a reserve deficit, but then not do anything about it. And, okay, it's not enough just to highlight a problem. You have to fix that problem. And that's kind of where the rules are falling short. Peter, this
1: tragedy in Surfside, do you think that is going to prompt changes to regulations, whether
0: it be in terms of reserves or other things? I do think so. This was such an awful tragedy that I think it opened the eyes of a lot of people all across the country. Could have happened in my town, my building. And so people who took a lackadaisical view of this sort of laissez-faire are going to look back and say, no, we need strong reserves we need to make sure that buildings are adequately maintained. And if that requires regulation, so be it. In
1: Miami Beach and Miami-Dade County, recertifications occur once every 40 years. Do we have any reason to think that that time period is going to get shortened, particularly when, when we do have climate change and, and the environment today isn't what it was 40 years ago?
0: You know, this is a good point, Stan. And I don't know if that is going to be the next thing that's going to happen, the next shoe to drop, but certainly... A lot can happen in 40 years, and especially if the foundations could be in wet areas, uh, you rising sea levels, and it could be that 40 years is not long enough to wait before you really go in and do a thorough check. Peter, while researching for your article, what was the thing you found that surprised you the most? Dan, I think the most surprising thing to me was just this idea that there's something inherently problematic about the Condo form of governance. Most condos in America and around the world are run well, but you can see how there is a difficulty in the design that renders them vulnerable to problems. And it seems to me that 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 needs to be looked at very seriously.
1: I mean, is there an argument to be made that we, as a society, have, have we kind of grown past condos? I know so many people are still living in them, but should we be?
0: Well. The good thing about a condo, and I I don't want to diminish this at all, is that it's for a lot of people the first rung towards ownership, property, acquiring assets that you can build a future on. Once you're an owner, then you have equity. You can build that equity. You can pay down your mortgage and you get your nest egg that will take you through future expenses all all the way on to retirement. So a condo is that entry point the first rung in the ladder and it would be a shame to lose that peter
1: given what you just said do you think people are going to start to reconsider condos as that first rung of home ownership
0: well the good thing about home ownership its traditional home ownership is that it's your property and you don't have to worry that much that your upstairs, your downstairs neighbor is going to do something wrong or that the condo board is going to put a big assessment or a small assessment or, you know, you're kind of a little bit more independent. Of course, individual homeowners can still make huge mistakes, but it's your mistake and you own it and uh, you live with it.
1: Peter Coy of Bloomberg Business Week. thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Welcome back. We wanted to give you a quick update to the story we focused on yesterday, which was China's crackdown on its big tech companies. This is ostensibly over data privacy concerns, but it also seems tied into the Chinese government's dissatisfaction with how many of its hometown heroes are going public on U.S. stock exchanges. What's new is that a Chinese company called LinkDoc, which makes cancer diagnostic technologies, canceled plans for U.S. IPO that had been scheduled to price tonight. And it was no small offering with LinkDoc having disclosed plans to raise around $200 million at a valuation of $1.5 billion. We also learned today, via a story in the Financial Times, that a Chinese fitness app called Keep has canceled its US IPO plans, calling off marketing meetings that have been scheduled for this week. The bottom line, there are lots more dominoes to fall, as everyone waits to better understand where the Chinese government plans to paint the rules of the road. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, and to my producers Sabina Sangani, Justin Kaufman, and Alex Ugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review, and if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to it. Have a great national freezer pop day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.